Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Everyone, welcome back to the Companion Podcast for the James Altucher Show. As usual, James is not going to be here because he's way too busy and way too important to be on the Companion Podcast, right, Nathan? (laughs) If you've been listening to the episode, you know he's probably playing chess. Oh, right. I, I can actually see if he's playing chess or not because I edit him on Lee Chess. So every time when he's not coming on the podcast, I'm like, I'm going to go to the website and see if he's playing chess or if he's like winning or losing. That's hilarious. I think he learned now that he know I spectating him. So I think he's playing on the new account now. So the company podcast, we do this every month and then we usually talk about the episode during that month. We had some really interesting episodes in the last month and a half and I have found a lot of really rewarding things from listening to them. The episode that came out after our first companion podcast was a James and Jay special, episode 691, titled You Should Run for President 2.0. At first, I was a little skeptical because I didn't really know what was going to happen. It seemed there's a little bit of cheeky stuff in there. Wait, wait. So, so just curious, like a little bit of cheeky stuff like after you listen to the podcast or when you look at the title when I said When I you? looked at it, it seemed like... I didn't know what I was getting into. It, it seemed like it might it might be too far fetched to believe. Okay, but it also it was also pretty catchy. Oh, thank you. Leading up to the twenty twenty presidential election, he had a lot of flack from his neighbors, people who were talking to because he said he wasn't going to vote, and they, people were saying, "Well, you shouldn't have a voice. You know, you need to vote. If you're not voting, then you don't deserve to have a voice." And James correctly said, "There are." obvious circumstances where that's not true, such as being a social commentator, reaching out to an audience in a way where, you know, he's not pitching it to one side, or just as independent saying, what if I was running for president? Then wouldn't my voice be valid whether or not I was voting for somebody? So he did, filed with the FEC to be a U.S. presidential candidate, and he brought back up his negative sales tax platform, and he discussed it further with Philip Stutz in episode 695, and it's actually a really solid anchor it was kind of buried in there. Does this concept or idea ever cross your mind? Like anyone can run for president in U.S.? Well, anyone who's a naturalized U.S. citizen above the age of 35. Yeah. I mean, I knew that much, but it seemed kind of a foolhardy thing because of how the two-party system is. Right. Two private organizations, their sole purpose is to stay in power. Before the podcast, like… I didn't know there are more than 1,000 presidential candidates in 2020, to be honest. 
And I didn't even know you can run for president. Like I didn't know like you can sign up for president. Until James did that. Yeah, I remember he did that all on his own. Like one day we, I just got on and then he's like, Jay, I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm like, uh, oh sure, what? Am I being fired? He's like, no. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, no. He's like, I'm actually running for president. I'm like, what? And then we actually sat down. I got on Zoom before I do another podcast. And he's like, yeah, I'm doing all this thing. And now I'm doing this, 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 this. Okay, cool. I didn't know you can do that. I thought it's only, what? Red and blue? I thought it's only red and blue and Kanye. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's it. James always wanted to be the translator to people, right? So like, the reason why he doesn't want to vote because you know he wants to stay as, as neutral as possible. Even in, I think the episode with Phil said, Phil said he mentioned that back then, like if you're a journalist, you can't even vote. But I'm sure like right now, like even the past elections, all the journalists vote. But back to the episode, you should run for president. That, that's an interesting one because like, James always turned anything like from what he learned into an experiment. So part of the reason why he wanted to run for president is because he wanted to learn the process. And it can be a good story. Just like, remember that he wrote an article of buying uh, Greenland? Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly the same experiment. So he just wanted to learn as many things as possible. So he, he remained as curious as possible. And then the episode 695 with Phil said, that's way interesting. I think that that's like the sequel to the, the episode 691. Because mm-hmm. like Fusab actually break down like the, the political campaign and they talk about the possible platform people should run on in general. Like you said, the negative sales tax, that's actually really smart. I agree. The negative sales tax idea, James has mentioned that over the past year, made a lot of sense when he was talking about the economic straits that New York City was going through during the pandemic. It taps into the public's need for local economies to remain strong. When's the last time you go to Amazon and buy things? Yesterday. <laughs> Me too. The thing is, Amazon is so easy. You just one click and it's done. Like, how can you beat Amazon? The only thing you can do is like the… Financial incentive. Yeah, financial incentive, yeah. the negative sales tax. Which I think, I think, I think NVN should run on, to be honest. So that's a good idea. And then what Philip Stutt added on to mm-hmm. was instead of having this money be essentially a treasury bond, a 10-year T-bond… The idea of having a a federal cryptocurrency. Right. I don't know if either of those two things would work, but combining the two together, you might have a chance to get one of them done. Yeah. And also, like, I always think that, like, every time you propose something new, like, idea like this, you might propose something that's very fundamental, very bare bone, right? So maybe, maybe we were like, oh, it might not work or whatever. And then when you throw it out there, People find loopholes. People find creative things to use it on. It's just like the NFTs. People are like, oh, this thing, it's a smart contract or whatever. It's They put it out there and all of a sudden, thousands of thousands of people are using it in a creative way. And the funniest thing, I don't know if you heard this, the funniest thing that one audio engineer from Brooklyn find NFT so dumb. So what happened is he was selling his fart noise Oh, nice. On F- NFT for eighty six dollars. I don't know oh, if you said that. It's it's I funny. <laughs> it's funny because I I, I I everyone's like so you know so hype about NFT and this guy's like this thing is dumb. So what happened is during lockdown, everyone has nothing else to do, so he just recorded his fart noise, you know, for a whole year, and then he was selling it for eighty six dollars. I don't know if anyone's <laughs> buying it, but I think that's really smart. It's an interesting it's experiment. It's a very interesting experiment. It could end up be like the Banksy of NFTs. 
Yeah. So like you know, like once you know, James proposed and the, the the negative sales tax out there, and then people might pick it up and then they might turn it into something even more usable. That's right. It just seemed like you know how Andrew Yang got prominent on a federal scale talking about freedom dividend. His ideas did get cemented into the American brain because what happened right after he dropped out of the race, you had this pandemic and right. people needed money. And there's been three rounds of stimulus money, child tax credit expansion that's trying to get you know extended through a budgetary process. So you see that kind of idea of direct payments happening less than a year after he talked about it on a national stage when it hadn't been really discussed in a number of decades. For Andrew himself, he's now running for mayor of mayor. New York where where something like a negative sales tax or some kind of municipal stimulus for for people could be implemented on a scale that could be then adopted on a on a wider scale so it's it's much easier to implement a sales tax when you're running a municipality that collects sales tax like New York does as opposed right. to on a federal level there's no currently no federal sales tax um uh, but right. there is a federal sales tax like in Europe you know the you have a vat tax so yeah. So what James was was talking about could would basically be a, a negative value added tax that could be redeemable for a crypto ten year T bond, um, and then right. reverse over here what Andrew's talking about is you know he could actually have that policy implemented, uh, winning mayor of New York on a local scale, which could be adopted later on a national policy, like you saw with with the socialized medicine under Mitt Romney in Massachusetts. Oh, right. Yeah, and that's what James always talk about, right? Even in in choose yourself, right? Like so, like you don't necessarily have to have like big ideas, big ambitions to do big things, right? You just start small. Like if you have an idea for an app, rather than automating it, just do it manually and see how how you get feedback. And then people give you feedback, people give you better ideas, and then you build upon it. You know, mm-hmm. speaking of pandemic, what do you think about the episode six ninety two with Peter Openshaw again? That's that. I think the episode almost marked the one year of the pandemic, right? One year of mm-hmm. the pandemic and the lockdown. What do you think about the episode? It was great to hear from the man who is not afraid to say I don't know and let's use the best information as it arrives. After the episodes like the six ninety two, I actually felt more comfortable. Like 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 even though he has a lot of oh, I we still don't know about this, we still don't know about this, but it felt a lot more safer. You know what I mean? I felt a lot more safer and more comfortable, like doing what I wanted to do, like going out and you know whatever. Because like he actually he he present data in a sense that like he comparing now and then you know like mm-hmm. then we really have no idea about anything and then we just heard about people on Twitter saying this that this that right now he gave a lot more you know like even though the I don't know is on the vaccine like he mm-hmm. he didn't know what's the if the effects of the vaccine is going to be but still like you know like but at least we we know that vaccine actually helps. You know, we yes, might not know what's the effects in longer terms, but we know what's the effects in the short terms. So I think I think that episodes make me like feel like okay, we actually did something in that year's time. We weren't just sit around and not helping the society, or we just sit around and wait for the doom to happen. And then that sort of <laughs> segue into episode six ninety three, which I kind of like because like. That whole year, during the lockdown, I felt like what I did, they just sit around and look at my phone and wait for emails to come in. 
<laughs> I don't know if you do the same thing. That's why I did. I just look at the email like, okay, am I getting work? Am I getting a lot of work? Am I not getting work? And then when I'm working, I still have my phones on my table. And then all of a sudden it rings. I'm like, oh, God damn it. Who, need, who wants something from me again? You know what I mean? Yes, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, because like, if you're in the office, that wouldn't happen. No, but you didn't say what number 693 was, which was a world without email with Cal Newport. Yes, thank you, Nathan. I was just so excited <laughs> about, about that. Because like that, I can relate to that episode very, very much. It's because I literally was, let's say I'm editing uh, an episode on a podcast, and all of a sudden I got an email from someone saying, hey, can you check this, 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 this? All of a sudden, you know, you, you sort of, your flow just got broken. You yes. know, and you're like, you have to worry about that. And then you're like, I really want to finish this. I don't know if I should reply. You know, all of a sudden, half an hour gone by, just deciding between continue to work or, or reply that email. I think, was it Stephen Cutler that say that, you know, once your flow get cut off, it takes another 20 minutes to get back your flow? Was it Stephen Cutler? That's right. Because he's the flow guy. That episode impacted me immediately because I was noticing how much I would get knocked out of my flow. I deal with a lot of email day in and day out. I checked in with the team I work with at HarperCollins later that day, thinking about the amount of emails that we receive. Currently, I have a small group on my post-production team, and we, we get CC'd on a lot of emails to kind of be able to have each other's backs when we're right. to make sure nothing falls through the cracks when you have a small team handling a large amount. But I often just check email because I'll look in my inbox and there'll be 20 emails and only two of them will be addressed to me. 18 of them are just kind of peripheral and I don't ever need to see. And it was just like, wow, there is really a lot of distraction coming in that, that pulls me out of my process when you're trying to actually work on something as opposed to just manage things. Yeah. Even that, that 18 emails that doesn't really address you, you sort of, you sort of feel bad because like, let's say if, if the email is about someone's project, you know, getting ruined and you're like, oh, God damn it, why is, why are these guys doing it? And you're sort of got that negative feeling and then you're just like, no, nah, I can't get back to the flow anymore. I started out blocking more time and just turning off Outlook and focusing, saying, I'm going to do this, this block of time. Here's the most important things. You know, you're talking about eating the frog, just taking care of the worst things first and blocking out the time so it's done with it and then just ha- having a segmented scheduled day where you're dedicating times to things. You can dedicate time later in the day or, d- or during a time to check email and make sure that nothing crazy has happened. You know, you can have a check email time. A lot of us live in this rapid response world where our emotion, our anxiety is telling us that we have to respond um, we have to find an answer to the thing that just hit our inbox, the thing that's at the top of the inbox. And that's n- it's not really true in, uh, in most of the cases. It's just taking us away from achieving the task that we were already working on. Yeah. So which do you find better? Do you, find, do you, do you have like two inbox checking calendar slot or do you only have one each day? What I'm currently doing is structuring some blocks of time to work on specific projects I need to get done. And I do right. that a lot in order of what I need to focus on the most or what I want to get off my mind. And then yeah. I'll block off some unstructured time where it's just nobody put a meeting on my calendar. And that time is my figure out what I need to do with that block of time time. And yeah. hopefully it can get more structured 
as I'm able to implement a flow, but things change from week to week. So it's good to have that malleability. Yeah, especially in our line of work, right? Like we you never know like when the project is going to come in and we never know what's when's the deadline. You know, right. sometimes we're just afraid of, you know, like missing deadline. But I felt like, you know, like that's that, that I felt like that's just bad for 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 mentally health anyway. Indeed. Yeah, it's funny because like the episodes, uh, I got like personal feedback from a friend of mine. I think he's a friend of yours too. Uh, David Weiss from Sonic Scoop. Yeah, of course I know David. Yeah. So David texted me like, say, hey, Jay, you know, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, I want to tell you how terrific the episodes was. And then he said that, yeah, the big aha moment for him is he had to turn all the notification off on his phone except text messages to avoid the context switching. Uh, shout out to David. Uh, he's a great yeah. person. All his years at Mix Magazine before he started up Sonic Scoop. Yeah, so like I felt like that the episode is great because it's a it's an episodes about actions. I would call it the actionable episodes. Like you listen to it and you can take action right away, and be like, "Yes, I can do this and change my life." You know, because I'm gonna try to weave into another episode <laughs> because the episodes, like if you get so much text, you will get burned out very quickly. Which mm-hmm. led me to episode seven oh one. Uh, with um, Nat- Natalie Rachel, she is the behavioral economist. Uh, that I-, I can relate to the episodes very, very well because I could be wrong, but I think I'm experiencing some sort of burnout as well. Not so much of like, hey, you know, I have a lot of work, I'm too busy, and I get burnout. It's more of like, okay, I'm all alone here, I'm working for James, and then sometimes you know, James got too busy, sometimes he didn't get back in time for me. I'm like, ah, crap, now I just have to wait. You know, of course, I'm doing something else. When I wait, but like sometimes when something it's on a deadline, I'm like, ah, crap. It's the anxiety just eats me away. I was really interested to hear the clinical definition of burnout and have this differentiation between just being worn out and seeing key markers like pulling away from like your family, pulling away from work, the depression and the fatigue, and also just getting worse, a sloppier at your job, not being able to get it done. Have you experienced any of this? So all three oh, wow. of them. Really? Yeah. During the lockdown or? Yeah. I mean, yes, certainly. Um, you know, it probably happened around the same time that it happened to James. We we're, you know, doing five episodes a week and uh, adding on a bunch of other stuff. When you're freaked out about whether money is going to continue to come in, you're just like, I'm going to take everything I can possibly do. Yeah. And then the, like the overcommitment. I've fallen prey to overcommitment before, and that mixed with like seasonal depression. That or you know the winter, the short hours, and winter. Yeah, I started thinking about my personal well-being a lot after that. Uh, you know, I, I had listened to the Stephen Gundry episode a few episodes before. Started taking a thousand milligrams of time-release vitamin C and and a thousand uh, ten thousand cc's of uh, vitamin D. And yeah, I'm glad that you're feeling better. How are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, like, what? I'm, I'm in, I mean, I think I'm still at the burnout uh, phase because, you know, mainly because we're still pretty much locked down. It's not like, ah, yeah, I can go out, blah, blah, blah. And then I have like friends over, blah, blah, blah. I just don't know what the future holds in terms of like, not future as in like my career future. It's more like my well being future. You know, yeah. how like how I will be like in five years from, of the, uh, not even five years, maybe like two months from now. Like, how will I be? Will I be? still be the same person or would I be more depressed or would I be more happy? Yeah. Anxiety-riddled. 
Yeah, and anxiety, like the anxiety just creep up. And I think yes. a lot of people out there, they experience this, you know, during the lockdown. And listen to the episodes really hit the home run for me too. Because like when Natalie mm-hmm. talk about her own stories, that's terrifying. Like imagine when you woke up blind. Jesus Christ. That's just stressful for you. So like that, that sort of just like say that like how important taking a break is. You know, for for any of us, like not just sitting at home taking a break, as in like you take a you take a break and you go out to different locations and do different things. You know, I think that like like Jay, like James said in the in the episodes, like that's also part of the reason why he just started playing chess so much. I realized I did the same thing too. Like so, I just started playing some games every night, two hours that game. You know, just to just to get myself out of that burnout situation, so like distract myself. From doing work, yeah, that episode really hit the home run for me, and I felt like the episode is gonna hit a real home run for almost everyone out there. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I I lived in over a hundred or two hundred different Airbnbs over a three year period, and I loved it. I love. I became a really good guest of Airbnbs, and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I of course the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income? by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests. And having my own Airbnb or or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. 
this is such a brilliant idea for a business, and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee, and I still to this day get messages every day. James Aldacher, would you like to apply to be VP of Entertainment at NBC or whatever? So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I definitely got to use HIMS from now Not on. Not that you need it. You're, you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might, you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the HIMSS app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com slash James. Could you imagine that there's a whole section just with my name on it? HIMSS.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's HIMS.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. HIMS.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See HIMS.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. I always think about this. I always think everyone is destined to have a role. Maybe you were destined to be a CEO or maybe a C-suite person or maybe you're destined to be a worker to support other people or maybe you're destined to be a person to help other people to achieve great things. <laughs> because I really want to talk about episode 699, how to be the CEO with Jeff Immel. I think that the episode is great. He just talked about like his story of being a CEO or how to be a CEO. And Jeff Immel is such a great person. Like the first time I met him, it's the first time, you know, for the episodes, he came mm-hmm. on and I felt like he's my friend now. I felt like I can text him like, hey, do you, you want to get Chick-fil-A tomorrow or something? It's so good <laughs> at connecting with people. Yeah, a lot of the best leaders are the best communicators and just have that magnetism. One of the lessons that I take away from the episodes, no matter what decision you make, 
you wouldn't know is the best one until you make it. Because sometimes I would like spend an hour or two hours just trying to like make a decisions on like anything. Like because James keep asking like if that time you did this, what would happen? Why do you do this? Or why why do you not do that? Or why you do that? And then he did say that, you know, James at the time, we didn't really know what's going to happen. So we just have to make those decisions then and hope mm-hmm. for the best. Resonate with me because like I always very indecisive. It was interesting to hear a leader's role being in charge of a conglomerate that is so disparate in its financial streams, having NBC and then adding on Universal to that and creating NBC Universal. And they sold both of those away to Comcast. He talked about their divesture of, of their financial services company, G Financial, went over to like uh, Synchrony Bank, I believe, after that. Or like at the same time, they were, you know, manufacturing like 90% of the world's jet engines. It just didn't make sense at some points. These decisions impact thousands of workers' lives. Imagine you have thousands of lives on your fingertip, man. I can't be conscious of making any decisions like right there. Like, I can task myself to make decisions for like thousands or possible tens of thousands of lives, you know? Yeah. It's a difficult position to think about from the first time you begin managing people. Yeah. I can't even make decisions for like three people. <laughs> it's very difficult. At some point, like I'm like the, the, the point of contact for like, you know, for, for you, Pam and Steve. And then, you know, before the lockdown, I'm like, uh, I can make decisions for you guys. <laughs> I, I will be the worst CEO ever. But I do like one thing that Jeff uh, Imel says, you know, you shouldn't need to ask other people for favor if you when you reach out to them. Like you should be able to reach out to other people. You should reach out to other people. Even just have nothing, like you even just wasn't asking for anything. Like let's say I know you like NFT. If I if you like NFT, I'll be like sending you, you know, links to this to, mm-hmm. to keep our relationship going. Not just like, hey, Nathan, how are you? Actually, I need this from you. You know what I mean? Right. Scheduling time. You know, on Sundays, I'm going to email two people just saying hi, just saying, hey, I thought you'd be interested in this, not asking for anything. Because we all think, oh, that's a great idea. And then we don't do it. Setting aside time to keep up your relationships seems like the cheapest thing you can do to create, you know, a really good vibe for yourself and for somebody else. No, yeah, I felt like the episodes came out a year too late for me. <laughs> so I'm an introvert. During the lockdown, I became even more introvert. Like, I felt like I haven't talked to any of my friends for a year. Like, because I'm those type of person, if you don't reach out to me, I don't reach out to you. You know, right. I like to just be in my zone, reading, looking at memes, you know, playing games and working. I just was, wasn't the type of person like, Oh, maybe I should reach out to Nathan and see how he is. You feel embarrassed, you know? Like, what if they are busy? What if they don't see you as friend anymore? What if they see you being too needy? Do you think you'd actually get received that way? I don't think I. I don't think it's get received that way. I think it's all in our head. What if I tomorrow I just text you hi and nothing else, just hi? Let's find out. (laughs) <laughs> okay, let's find out tomorrow. But yeah, so like that, that that's why I like the episode so much. And uh, you know, like just because I always want to find out if I'm the C type person, but I just realized I might not ever be the C type person. I just feel bad for making decisions to anyone for anyone, you know? Then you can just be you. I'm trying to be the J type person. 
Anything else that I, I feel to cover? Anything else you think it's great for you? Like, I mean, I'm just, you know, like I'm just talking about those episodes that really vibe with me. I was really interested by the retail investing masterclass that oh, James yeah. had with Robin, where James talked about his experience being a day trader and being a hedge fund manager and being now an investor, comparing Robin's experience, who Robin's been a, a, a very successful retail uh, investor, and hearing her picks and why they do things differently, um, why they invest in different companies and why their decisions make sense for each of them. I was very intrigued to learn about SPACs, special right. purpose acquisition companies, and how how those are blank check companies used to make a private company public um, and how that's been, I think, happened a few hundred times in the last year or something like that. So, yeah. so learning about that, learning about REITs, real, real estate um, investment trusts, and then and then thinking about how that goes to new markets. We're talking about um, meat tech, MITC, um, with the oh, Israeli yeah. 3D printing company that's, that's uh, printing a, their printed steak or sell the technology so you could print actual animal protein that is not in ground beef format. Um, and also talking about REITs in, in, in terms of, you know, as of, I think, yesterday. So we're recording this on the 26th. On the 25th, the news came out that, um, that the New York legislature and, and Governor Cuomo had reached a deal on, on the legalization of marijuana in New York State. And the yep. same thing is passing through in, in New Jersey. So how these new markets, so like how there are, there are companies that are cannabis-specific REITs that are investing in these things. And, and just, I'm like, I'm, so now I'm starting to watch the trends and see how, see how the news is impacting these different types of companies. Do you, do you buy any after the episodes? I put in a little bit of play money just so I can keep interest in it. You know, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll buy just a few shares skin so I can... Skin in the game? Just yeah, minimal skin in the game so I can just, um, you know, like you go to a casino and you just say, here's how much money I have to, to play with and, and, and then I'm out. That's what I'm doing right. with retail investing. Um, just so yeah. I can learn more about it without having to worry about it impacting my financial outcome at this point. Yeah. Never put more than 1%... Of your portfolio. That's what James always says. They will put more than 1%. Took that advice. Yeah, I, me too. But the thing is like, the other advice that I took is also like, invest in something you really believe in. And mm-hmm. you know, and and you really know it. So like, I haven't buy into any of this, of those stocks. The only stocks that I'll share that I buy and it's like gaming stocks or or mm-hmm. crypto. Like, or, or something that I really know the industry well. Because I yeah, didn't have. I time invest in the s- publishing industry that I know, and the new the news and oh. publishing industry, digital. That's which is what I know well. Yeah, it's so weird because like I know like both of our like out there people are talking about oh the weed, oh the specs, or the you know the Beyond Meat or whatever, or the EV as Robin sure. put it, the EV electric vehicles. Yeah, so for me, I'm just like I know gaming way better. I know gaming's highway way better. So I'm just gonna buy this company. Because Put all your money in Steam. Steam. <laughs> oh, no, no. Steam is not a public company. I, I try to look for it. And I love Discord, and Discord is not a public company either. Well, Discord is, as as today's recording on on, on March 26th, is that Microsoft is going to buy Discord for a Ten. very, very, very large sum. Yeah, $10 billion. Yeah, like, I always love Discord more than Slack, mainly because I'm a gamer. And I felt like so maybe Discord, you should be investing in Microsoft right now before before that deal goes through. The episodes, the retail investing masterclass episodes, actually great. You know, so I learned so much from the episodes too. I totally forgot. Uh, and then you know, I 
I look into all the stuff. I even like proposed to Robin like, hey, you should have a newsletter. Don't say anything. The newsletter just literally, what stocks are you looking at? And then mm-hmm. say why in two sentences and that's it. Because you don't have to spend yeah. too much time on the newsletter. And I was subscribed to it. And then I'm sure she's going to get like tens of, tens of thousands of subscribers to be honest. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. Do you have anything else? It's all the time I've got before my next recording. All right. Even even Nathan is too busy for me. That's see, that's well, why I'm burning out because you are too busy for me, Nathan. It's great to see you on every month. It's like that one day every month. Where we get to look at each other's faces, but the audience doesn't. Thank you, Nathan. Later, buddy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.